Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get an oh yeah? What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to episode 69 of the Enterprise Now podcast where we inspire, motivate, and educate business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Davida Wingfield, the president of Celebrity Philanthropy and the personality behind the Wingfield Report. We talk about investing in yourself and embracing wisdom. We talked through how DeVita started and grew a successful business by tackling challenges and being adaptable. DeVita also shares how her experience with Oprah Winfrey led to a dynamic shift in her business. All right, let's dig in. All right, DeVita, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. I'm excited to um, pick your brain and to dig into your business, what you do, and also get to know a little bit more about you, what makes you tick and um, how you're able to be as successful as you are. So we'll dig right in. I want to know about you and you're free and welcome to go all the way back to the day you were born or you can start current day. Tell us about yourself. All right. Well, let's see. First of all, thank you so much for allowing me to to share a few nuggets of wisdom with your audience. Um, it certainly is an honor and a privilege and very much appreciated. I was let me see. I am a twin, actually. So I am I have a twin brother named David and my name is Davida David with an A. And so our whole life. Usually people would not call one person without the other. So it was never Davida, Davida, Davida. It was David and Davida. No matter what somebody wanted, it was always David and Davida. Like we were one person. <laughs> um, but fortunately, as life has happened, I have gained some autonomy um, by having the privilege to to work with organizations across the United States and Periodically in other countries, for some reason, Africa, uh, African countries tend to opportunities there tend to pop up every now and then. And so now it's not David and Davida, but it's Davida, Davida, Davida. And so I appreciate the influence that um, I have gleaned over the years. But early on, I, um, I started out actually as a computer operator. 
And I worked third shift and it was grueling and it was painful because I just am not a night person at all. I'm definitely early to bed and early to rise. And so I got my first opportunity in the nonprofit industry was with my hometown, Lynchburg, Virginia. And actually Lynchburg, as even though it doesn't, the name does not reflect that it historically has been known as a progressive town. Um, Lynchburg actually has had a national impact. Quakers settled there and they did not believe in slavery. So slaves from the South would migrate towards Lynchburg as it was, it was a Southern town, but it wasn't, it was closer than the North. So they didn't believe in slavery. And so it was progressive in that way for that particular reason. But eventually the, the, the Quakers were kind of driven out of the area because of their beliefs and tobacco. It became a big tobacco town. And at that point, it was about one of the, I think the 13th richest city in the nation back then. And so today the architecture and the beauty of the river speaks to all of those wonderful things. But that is where I was, I guess, kind of mentored and brought up in that particular environment and area. And Martin Luther King had many friends in that city. And it was just, it would take the whole interview to really talk about the whole historic uh, impact of that city. From there, I guess, at the Community Action Agency, I became really good at, I was the resource developer. So I was the fundraiser. I was the person who raised the money. And my executive director, Dr. Robinson, who was an older gentleman then, so he's gone on you know, to see the Lord now, but he, he made sure that I was educated at the, the best schools, UVA, um, and all of this was continuing education, UVA, the, let me see, Virginia Tech, the, back then it was the Association of Fundraising Pro- Professionals. Well, actually it was the NSFRE, the NAH, and now it is the Association uh, for Fundraising Professionals. And so I really, he required that I be a part of those types of organizations. United Way was a major influence in the development of my skills. And we had, um, at that point, it was a small agency. It was like $3 million I was, I was responsible for. And we had Head Start and, uh, weatherization programs, senior programs, youth programs, all types of programs. And I was responsible for the money. And so I was very successful at it, actually, (laughs) very successful at it. And I think it was it was due to, you know, my tenacity, which really I don't I don't say was mine. I think it was kind of divinely imparted that I just had a grace to do the job because I was kind of baptized by fire, too, because I didn't work directly for the executive director in the beginning. I worked for the assistant executive director who was the person who was responsible for all the money. And he was, he was also an activist in the city. And he went to Washington DC on some business for the city and he passed away unexpectedly. And that left me holding the bag. And so fast forward from being baptized by fire and actually having to learn to do a lot of that 
through schooling and through practical experience and all that, I started my own firm. And that firm was Quality Enhancements. And I remember back in those days, um, kind of just taking any type of work that would come along. Because as a new business owner, your goal a lot of times is just having work. Well, I discovered that's probably not the best goal. But anyways, I by divine providence, I took on a project with a friend of mine. And um, at the time, he didn't have any money, but he had an advisory board. And the advisory board was called the Friends Committee. And this was also in Lynchburg, Virginia. And they, so they, uh, he said, hey, look, I got all these millionaires and VIPs, important people on this advisory board. You need, and you're in this field. You need to be a part of this. And so um, I volunteered to help. And so I sat there for months, not really knowing that my friend was in dire straits. And one night he called and said, hey, look, we have $50 in the bank and I don't know what to do. And he was at the time building a, a large community center from the ground up. And the construction people had already started the work and they were out of money. I was like, well, why didn't you tell me I would have helped you? And 30 days later, he had his first $50,000 and it was pretty much kind of smooth from that point on. I mean, we were just constantly getting money to the point that um, we won a grant from the Oprah Winfrey show. And so that's quite a story in itself, but it certainly was divine. I don't take any credit for it. Um, and so I wrote the proposal and won and my name kind of went abroad. So people from other countries would call our, call our, um, our community center or people from across the United States and different religious groups kind of keyed in to me as a fundraising professional. And that was the start of something beautiful. Wow. I have tons of questions, but what I want to do is I want to backtrack and then we'll go back into um, your, uh, your business and your entrepreneurship experience. So, um, so tell us a little bit more about yourself. What, what kind of things do you like to do to let your hair down? So this weekend and have, and have fun. Oh, well, okay. Well, let's see. Actually, I have a lot to say about that. So I'm not going to say all about it, but I would say that it was late in life um, when I determined, came to the conclusion that I didn't know anything about myself. I, I had never taken time to ask myself, well, what are your favorite colors? What are your favorite foods? What is it? that you like to do, you know, what brings you happiness? And that's definitely was an indicator of my own self-worth. But at this point I have graduated to a higher level of self-worth. And so I do know the things that I like to do. And um, so I definitely, I, one of the perks of my job is I get to travel. So I do love traveling. And I do like nice hotels. <laughs> and so I, I've, that, I've, I haven't gotten tired of that. I do like that. Um, I like reading. 
Um, books are definitely a passion of mine. And um, those are kind of some, I guess, major things that I like to do. I'm pretty eclectic. So adventure, I think adventure is a really a big part of who I am as a person. So if I can incorporate adventure into my work, into my play, into everything that I do, I actually, that's how I feed my spirit. My spirit actually um, is, you know, is happy when I can do that. Gotcha. Um, now, one final question before we jump back into um, your, your experience. Um, what, if you had to identify one thing, what, what would it, what would be your superpower? My superpower? <laughs> Actually, I consider myself a seer. So my superpower would definitely be supervision. Um, I can actually go into an organization or go into a place or even just meet a person. And within 15 minutes of talking to that person, I can see the vision for that person's entire life or I can see the vision for their whole organization. So I have like this vision. It's true, too. It's real. It's not like it's not like a fake superpower. It really is. So I can actually catch a vision for someone. And if they if they give me the the outline, I can I can color I can color it in. If you have to say, what are your keys to success? What what kind of things have you learned over the years that make you successful? The downside first is that I got the wisdom. <laughs> I, you know, I acquired the level of wisdom that I have um, through the school of hard knocks. So um, the number one thing I would say in terms of, you know, do's, don'ts, things I've learned is that the school of hard knocks is for the unwise and for the unlearned. Um, that's not, that's not the school that you should aspire to go to. And I think that, um, I think it still goes back to the self-worth issue um, because I had some see, self-defeating beliefs. And so one of the beliefs was that if you worked really hard, then that made you a good person. So if your value is based on a false premise, what you're going to find is that the role will be cha more challenging and it's going to take a lot longer to get from point A to point B. So the school of hard knocks is the school that you want to avoid. And the school that you, you want is you want to embrace wisdom and knowledge and understanding. How do you do that? through mentorship, through investing in a, in yourself. You have you have to have a really strong self-worth in order to invest in yourself. So that means that if you if you hire a consultant to help you, that's an investment that you would have to make. If you choose um, to expand, you know, your your knowledge base through um, advanced education, that is that's an investment in yourself. You know, if you choose to have a mentor, that mentor may or may not charge you, but that mentor will have expectations that you will rise to the occasion by honoring that mentor, by reverencing them for 
who they are and the wisdom that they bring into your life. That is an investment in yourself. So I would definitely say, number one, <laughs> learn from others, ask for help. And then uh, number two, I would say team up. I would say definitely teams. Networking is networking is one of the, I guess, one of the wisest things that you can do. Um, and so, and that, that's outside of the realm of mentorship and learning and personal advancement. Networking is leveraging and you can leverage anything. So when you go to the table, always go to the table with the mindset that you have something of value to offer, whether you have a penny in your pocket, whether you have some disadvantage that, um, that has caused some problems or anything like that. Maybe you're overcoming a season of challenges, but that should never be your focus. The focus should never be your challenge. Your focus should definitely be your strength. Um, and sometimes I tell my, I'll tell my folks who may be uh, interning with me or something like that. I'll say, okay, you know, I always tell them the story when I'm doing their orientation of how um, I had a, a, a mentor who was, he was a manager out of Atlanta for some celebrity folks. And so I solicited his assistance and he said, you always have something to leverage. And that's where I learned to leverage everything. So, and he told me the story of how a female could actually go into the room and she could be very beautiful and she doesn't have, maybe, maybe that's, her key gift at that very moment. You know, she may not have a million dollars. She may not be on the A list, but she may be just attractive. And she could go into the room saying, well, this, you know, my prosana will open the door for me. How can I leverage that? And so just by identifying five people in that room that she would have like to have a business meeting with after the event and giving them her card, and introducing herself, she has actually leveraged her attractive persona. Now, we don't want to go into sexism and all like that because that's a really big problem in our society. So I'm not promoting sexism. But what I'm saying is that everybody has everything, whether it's a winning smile. Um, I have actually given favor to people because they had a lovely voice. I've, I've met people and their voice was just so lovely. And I said, well, I would like for this person to, um, maybe do some client management for me because they, their communication was so, um, so uh, positive, you know, so everybody has something, everybody has something. It could be your experience. It could be a gift or talent when you draw or, or computer savvy, or uh, maybe you do have resources and you don't know what to do with them, but whatever you have, make a conscious effort to leverage it. That is awesome advice. You said so much in that that answer that I don't think we have time in this conversation to cover. Um, so I'll just kind of go through some of the the notes that I took. Um, so one of the insights that I got was uh, you gained your wisdom from the school of hard knocks, and then you said that this is for the unwise and unlearned. Wow. Uh, you said that you know, one of the other insights was to embrace wisdom, knowledge and understanding, invest in yourself, whether that's a mentor, uh, education or getting a coach to help help you. Uh, 
um, learning from others, being humble enough to ask for help, team up networking, and that everyone has something to offer. Wow, wow, wow. So with that, what I want to do is I want to go all the way back to when you were talking about your, really your breakthrough, um, getting that grant from the Oprah Winfrey show kind of opened the door to, uh, to the path kind of where you are now. So, um, so tell us all about what you do now and how that opportunity kind of served as the foundation to, uh, to be, to be doing what you are today. All right. Well, um, actually I was helping, um, the executive director had worked for, um, the federal government and had taken, um, they were downsizing. So he took a package deal and left. Um, it was the FDIC. And he came back to Lynchburg, the small town to work with his dad, who was a pastor. And in doing so, he started a mentorship program in the basement. And so that mentorship program took on a life of its own. Um, there was a big move in the city for this huge habitat for humanity development of several hundred houses. And the, um, and the city was fighting it. They said it would be a shanty town in, in 20 years because you can't put that many low income people in one place together. I guess let's just say in an uncontrolled environment. So we'll just leave it at that because. That many low income people are together every day by design in other in other dynamic situations. So um, so the habitat leaders and executives, they decided that they would build a community center in order to ensure the that the families in the, the habitat community maintain optimal optimal levels of um of life, you know, of, of, um, you know, just being functional, um, and self-sustaining. That's the word sustaining that they relate, that they actually achieve sustainability for, um, you know, into perpetual, you know, perpetually. And so, um, that, that, that particular director got a job with the National Habitat for Humanity in Atlanta. And so he called upon my friend to take his job. Well, he already had a mentorship program. And so he instituted that as, as the hallmark program for the, for the new community center that was still being built. And, um, when he called me in to help, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually help. I had already had experience with the community action agent agency as their senior development officer. And so now was an opportunity for me to help a friend of mine meet their goal. And so it was a, it was immediate just by leveraging our friendship and coming together. Um, this Oprah Winfrey opportunity was created and actually it was not my idea that there was a board member and she was a, a, a elder, well, she was a senior, a senior white lady. And, um, she says, I think that we, I think we should go on Oprah. And I dismissed her for months. I never paid any attention. 
until one day I came into the center. Now I was not a full-time worker with the center. I was just their consultant. And so I came into the center and, um, some people were crying at the front desk and they were, I was like, why is everybody crying? And one of the boys had written an essay about how the executive director had helped him leave a life of crime and drugs and to turn his life around. And that was it. That was the synergy point. So I was like, okay, so I had my, I had the graphic artist to, to design this, his face on this essay and, I brushed up the essay and I sent it to Oprah and we got a call back that yes, we were being considered for actually the award is called the Oprah Winfrey Use Your Life Award. So as the development officer, it was my job to submit these requests and we made the first round. And so we were up for the, we were up for the final cut. Now, mind you, I never knew how rigorous the competition was they did they didn't tell me and so for some reason i was at the center at one o'clock in the morning and the phone rings it's the producer to the oprah winfrey show and now that i think back i think maybe she may have been calling on off hours because because she was hoping that no one would answer and so she said hello may i speak to mr you know the executive director and so i was like well he's not here um he ran out for a little while uh, we must have been working on some big project or something. So it wasn't unusual for us to work late nights, uh, but it was unusual for us to work that late. And so she said, may I confide in you? And I said, sure. She says, well, I don't think that we're going to be able to give your organization the award because the executive director, he talks too fast. And we just don't think that he would make a good presentation on TV. And so Grace kicked in and I went to bat for our executive director. And I was like, well, he's handsome and he is a, uh, he is an ambassador for our entire city. He's been on the school board for so many years. He's, he is an ambassador for the youth in this particular area of our city. And he does this and he's on that board and he's on that. And, and I said, the reason that he talks fast is because he's a workaholic. And you're probably speaking to him at a point where he has been sleep deprived. Now, where all this came from? I don't know. I was like, Lord help us. Well, needless to say, she took my words into consideration and the organization was awarded the, the award of $100,000 and an appearance on the Oprah Winfrey show. So it was all divine. I don't take any credit for any of it. So switching gears a little bit, tell us um, about what do you guys, what do you do today? Originally, my business was not called celebrity, celebrity philanthropy back then. And, um, and so, and then I, I, I had a chance to work all over the country after this use, use your life award with Oprah Winfrey. And so that was just wonderful. And about 10 years ago, one of, one of my clients was associated with professional, uh, basketball player in the NBA. And so, he introduced me to the celebrity NBA player and I did all the paperwork for their foundation and all of that wonderful stuff. And I worked with them for years with his team. He had a youth program in Houston. And so um, basically my job was to cultivate resources and also help the executive staff because a lot of the staff 
for this particular NBA player were they were just his home homeboys, you know, people he grew up with. And so they really didn't have a background in nonprofit development or community outreach or anything like that. So it was a great opportunity to mentor them and to help them with their inner city program in Houston. And what I found out was that celebrities kind of, they are, they do business differently. I'll put it like that. And so if they refer somebody to somebody, then it's different than in the regular world. So they, they stay among themselves. And so that, that was a great opportunity because just by working for this particular celebrity opened doors for lots more celebrities and it snowballed into opportunities to work in the NFL, um, more work in the NBA. Um, I work with a lot of the NFL folks I work with are retired. And recently, in recent years, I've actually had opportunities to work in the mainstream with mainstream artists like singers, rappers, you know, entertainers, <laughs> put it like entertainers put it like that. And so that has been wonderful. And then also in, I guess, within the last three or four years, I have had the opportunity to work with some mega ministries. And so these are worldwide ministries, the household names and how exciting that has been. And so, and in my field of work, people, it's not like you're an outsider. They trust you with their, in, the intimate details of their life. So you know things that other people don't know as an executive, as a member of their executive team. And so I really appreciate that. And that's one reason I haven't done any name dropping in this interview because, because I try to respect my clients. If I haven't called in advance to say, may I use your name for this or may I use your name for that? Ethically, I just don't think that is, I don't think that is cool. So I just don't do it. <laughs> but, um, that's that's how Oprah Winfrey turned into celebrity philanthropy. So when all these celebrities started taking over my business and bombarding me, I had less and less time for the smaller organizations and the celebrities were taking up more of my time. And my I had a business consultant and they said, you're doing just too much. You're doing too much. You can't. They're, there's not the same thing. You know, working for celebrities and working for grassroots organizations is not the same thing. It's the same paperwork but it's not the same concepts that are being developed. And so I split my company into two companies, Advocates Resource Group and Celebrity Philanthropy. So today I work with regular churches, uh, municipalities, grassroots organizations, those types of folks through Advocates Resource Group and Celebrity Philanthropy is the business that manages all the work for the celebrities. Davida, as we wrap things up, how can people reach out to you if they want to work with you? Well, they can always give me a call. I'm very responsive. Uh, my phone number is 757-828-7135. And that's Celebrity Philanthropy. Or you can call Advocates Resource Group, 804-372-7538. Or you can also reach out to me on my website, The Wingfield. No, it's not The. It's www.wingfieldreport.com and you can find out more about me and how to get in touch with me. Uh, that's www.wingfieldreport.com. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. I, again, I have notes over here with insights and golden nuggets, as I call them, um, that I know that my listeners are going to gain a lot of. So enterprisers, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Don't forget to go to the website, www.enterprise-now.biz. Download our three P's to empowerment worksheet. Once you fill that out, you're going to be operating in your awesome zone. We need you to operate in your awesome zone. You know your purpose, your passion, and your path. So go to the website, download that, and let me know what you come up with. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.